3: Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking about female safety on the run, which is off the back of the Strava end-of-year report that looked at. um, It revealed that UK women are over twice as likely as the global average to feel unsafe on the run. And we want to think about why that is, because the UK is, after all, a reasonably safe country when looked at on a global scale, ranking uh, 34th out of 163 countries on the Global Peace Index. But obviously women don't feel safe on the run. Um, and we're here with lots of our female colleagues, which feels appropriate rather than you and I chatting about female safety on the you run.
4: You mean there. we can't talk, you and me wouldn't have a really insightful <laughs> and engaged standpoint on this? Yeah,
3: I think it probably has a little bit of credibility. So we've got Jen, Rachel and Ali from the team. Um, Jen, why don't you kick us off with, because this isn't the first time we've heard stats of this nature. We'd had the Reclaim Your Run campaign that we did a few years ago. So give us a sense of what that was and what that, um, some of the stats at that showed us?
2: Yeah, so we ran a campaign in 2021 called Reclaim Your Run and the aim of that was to raise awareness of and reduce the harassment and endangerment that women experience while running. Um, And as part of that, we did a survey where 60% of women told us that they had been harassed when running. Um, 25% reported being regularly subjected to sexist comments or unwanted sexual advances. And 11% said they had actually stopped running altogether because of harassment, which is obviously super sad. Mm. Um, And we also had hundreds of female runners sharing their experiences of being harassed while running and how that's affected their running and their lives. Um, and then finally, as part of that campaign, we backed a campaign called Crime Not Compliment, which aimed to make public sexual harassment punishable by law. So although it can fall under the umbrella of other criminal offences such as sexual assault, sexual assault, and some other public order offences, there hasn't actually been a specific law against street street harassment. Mm although it does now look like that is going to be introduced.
3: Okay, so it's it's kind of a work in progress on that front. Yeah. And then Ali, you caught up with someone who'd been doing similar work At the University of Manchester?
1: Yeah, so two researchers, um, Dr Caroline Miles and Professor Rose Broad from the University of Manchester. They've been working in partnership with Merseyside and Greater Manchester Police uh, to conduct research on the experiences of abuse and harassment of women runners. Um, So they basically looked at police data over a two year period. They did an online survey of 498 women and they have audio diaries with women about their day to day experiences as well. So in terms of key findings, um, one of the key things was that very few women report harassment to the police. Uh, So only about 5% of the women they spoke to had been to the police about an incident. Um, And in total, there were 88 crimes reported across that two year period, which actually is not a lot in the grand scheme of things. Um, Yet of these 498 women who responded to the survey, 340, and that's 68%, so exactly the same from our Runners World survey, uh, said they had experienced abuse while running. Um, So more commonly, this was verbal abuse, being flashed out or being followed. Um, now, what the researchers actually said to me is that not all men do this. And we want to hammer that home in this podcast, but it is always men. So no women in this survey uh, said that they were harassed by another woman. Yeah. All of these crimes that were reported were by men and one of the key reasons they don't report to the police are not thinking it's serious enough low confidence in the police and women saying it was so normal that they just respect, that they just expected it um, and they called this last point a subconscious risk assessment. So the researchers said to me that women normalise these experiences, they normalise their fear, and they also normalise what they do to make themselves feel safe. So whether that's carrying rape alarms, keys in hand, carrying carrying your phone, etc. Even thinking in terms of where you're going, running, who you're running with, all of these things, that I guess, like myself, I would consider so normal. I would say, you know, obviously, I'm not going to run across this park in the dead of night and obviously i'll have my phone with me and et cetera but actually that is quite a lot of prior preparation yeah you're nice. not just thinking oh, i'm going to head out for a run wonder which route i'm going to take today yeah it's so much more than that yeah um so that was really the key f- thing from it was mm. how normal it is i think
4: yeah i think that normalization has always been that stark point from all of these surveys that we've when we've had the results in and kind of like from yours and my perspective i don't speak for you but from my perspective my route planning will it it, it never comes into my head or it's not certainly a point where i go how safe am i going to be doing that run yeah that's not a con that doesn't come in that's like oh that might be nice yeah right yeah yeah you know but how long is it how long is it where's it going what am i going to see when i'm running Mm. whereas i would say the majority of female runners there is an additional is it safe should I run there at any point? Is it going to be okay in the middle of the day? Who or should I tell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those sorts of yeah. things. So that, I think that that normalisation is really like the sort of big takeaway in terms of thought processes that have to go ahead before you go yeah, on yeah. a run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
2: think in terms of the, those kind of mental calculations that women go through as well, I think that creates a lot of anxiety, which then sort of negates the kind of mental health benefit of running in the first place if you're yeah. like f- feared of all of these things. Yeah. Um, You're not going out for a kind of mind-clearing run at that point, are you? So,
5: I mean, yeah, I had this, well, on my run um, the other day, I was sort of running in the evening, and obviously it's winter. Not everyone can run during the day. On a working day, you're running in the morning before work. After work, it's dark. And, you know, I've been running for years. Like, we've all been, you know, lots of us have been running for years, and I'd say I was quite a confident runner. But there was a, a part where I'd go through the park and then suddenly I saw like a a group ahead of me and your your senses are always heightened in the dark anyway but then you just stop yourself and you're always sort of that mindfulness aspect of running like is sort of like compromised and I was like oh where should I go where can I duck and it's just like you have like split second moments where it's like during the day I'd feel quite confident but there I was like where should I go what if they say something what if they follow me and it's like all these like things go through your mind and you know it's like you said Ali it's like it becomes normal and it's like something that you almost kind of like expect to feel and you shouldn't but you're always like on edge yeah I think by the normal aspect it's like when
1: I head out on a run I don't think I'm going to be attacked if that makes sense like every time I go out on a run I'm sure I'm sure there's some women that are scared of that every time I don't really think about it but it's because I am thinking about it because I've already laid the foundations down if I do get attacked, mm. if that makes sense. So I'm like almost avoiding the possibility that that happens. And as well, it's it's almost like I am preparing for the worst case scenario. I'm not preparing to be catcalled. I almost expect to be catcalled. Mm. Whereas I'm preparing if someone sort of jumps out at me or yeah. something like that. That's what I'm more fearful of. It's kind of, even though there's a massive spectrum of harassment on the run, it's funny what you just expect
3: okay. to tolerate. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot of um, comments on our Instagram page when we put this out there. Um, Some of them probably a little more credible than others. But I thought maybe we could go through a few of them, try and answer them. Because I think some of them are coming from a place of maybe from like general ignorance on the subject. And and actually, it would be nice if we could end this podcast with people feeling like they knew a little bit more about maybe how people would like them to behave on the run. So let's start with this one that says... Aside from offering to run with people who feel unsafe, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with this information that was from a, a male runner. Um, can we talk about maybe some of the practical behaviours that you think male, it would be nice to see male runners doing?
5: Um, well, yeah, you make a good point. Like we don't say that all oh, men are bad, you know. Men should. It's it's just the way that sort of women feel, and I think um, sort of as a starting point, um, giving giving women space, not running up close behind or, or sort of going past you quickly or sort of here shout like quick movements or you know verbalizations you know that kind of sense of making women jump most obviously most of the time unintentionally but it's just any element of surprise just to avoid that yeah um, spooking them exactly i think it's a big thing especially yeah. when it's dark like we said before, you're exactly you're sort of heightened
1: your senses, and if someone's mm. sort of running up behind you, you are a bit on edge.
3: Yeah, yeah. cross cross the road. Do you think that's
1: cross the road's a big one. I mean, I've i normally if I'm running on a pavement and maybe I'm coming up behind um, a male runner, or they're on the other side of the road, I I will cross to the other side of the road yeah. to make sure that I'm on a different one. And I've had it before where then that person has then crossed and followed me onto the other side of the road that I've crossed. Mm. And that automatically makes me think you're following me. If I've crossed to the other side of the road and then you've also crossed to the other side of the road, yeah. regardless of whether you're actually just getting onto there because it's your route or whatever, I would just say like, give me that space till I've ran off somewhere. Don't sort of crowd me. Cause that is just
5: such an obvious way to make someone feel like you are sort of creeping up behind them. Yeah. Another one as well. I- I always sit so when I run by myself, which is most of the time, I go out for a run because I want to go for a run. It's my headspace, it's for training, whatever it is. It's my sole activity and I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be bothered. I just want to get on with it. Yeah. And quite a few times actually I'll go for a run and for example through a park and there'll be someone sat on a bench and be like, Oh, go on, love, keep going, go faster. And although the intention may be as a compliment or encouragement or something I find it quite unnerving and distracting, and it makes me very self conscious, especially if you're going around a park doing laps. You mm. feel like you're being watched, and you know, just like you would go to the shop and buy food, you, you go for a walk, you know, it's a pro- your personal act. You, you just want to go about your own business, and I'm just going about my own business, and I don't want to be disturbed. I mean, this is just me, but I, can, I like to think that I can speak for many women, you know, you just want to not be bothered or commented on or or feel like you're being watched because it it does make you feel self-conscious and especially if you're new to running and just getting into it and you're feeling quite self-conscious about it anyway um, it's it's just not helpful even if you've got the best intentions.
1: Yeah I think that's what you've got to remember too is that like we've been running a while so it, it might not bother us as much if someone says a comment but if you are quite new to running and you're you know, you are self-conscious about maybe what you look like, how you're running, all these worries. If someone says a comment, that could be something that actually stops you from wanting to go yeah, on that run off. in that yeah. first place.
3: Yeah,
4: I think there's a greater scale of just like I think it's more in it that someone has the sense that they're they're perfectly entitled to intrude upon your personal your personal space. I think going to what Rachel's saying, like, and that's very much a power play. So even if they don't consider it. Oh, I'm just saying something I like. Well, first of all, there's absolutely no way that, come on, love, go fast. It's said to, come on, mate, you can go fast. That's not happening, is it? Like, did not shouting out at men at the same time. <laughs> yeah, 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 I wish you, were well, I've never had it. You know, <laughs> a bit of encouragement. But um, but what I mean is that there's still this absolutely overarching sense of that I'm entitled to just basically interact with you. Mm. Mm. I'm entitled as a man to in- encroach upon the thing you're doing mm. because patriarchy, et cetera. And that's like, that's a given, and I think that running is one of those times when there's a vulnerability to it. There's a real sort of, you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's just one of those situations where that that is why those comments are so significant, whereas people would just dismiss them as absolutely like not. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I th- I think that like catcalling and like wolf whistling has been like just trivialized as like just something that like for years and years we've just accepted that as something that just happens, and I think. That's also why it's important to look at like, what we can do outside of running to combat this problem of female harassment on the run and there being that cultural shift around like, redefining what is acceptable behaviour and acceptable comments.
3: Mm. Yeah, I Um Look, here's, here's another one, um, and this, this gets trotted out quite a bit, which is the reality is women may feel unsafe, but the majority of violent crime and murder is done to men. Which I think, there, I mean, you can prove anything with, with statistics, but I think there are some statistics that would support that idea. Um, you touched upon it a little bit when you talked with, with um, the professor at Manchester. So it was, it was kind of like the perpetrator, however. Yeah, tends I think to be a man. I
1: think that's it, isn't it? It's that line again of not all men do this, but it's always men. And mm. I think, sure, maybe more men are attacked than women, but who's attacking those men? Are the men? And I think that's the problem is that, yeah. you know, we're not saying that you're necessarily the problem, but if you're you're scared of other men, then surely you can get on board with what we're saying here that
3: yeah, people I think, are threatening, you I know? I that's true because I think um, there's, there's some, some men, I think, um, when they hear this stuff, think, well, don't, don't you think I get scared too? And like, I, I've been mugged before actually. I was mugged when I was like 14. and I was also almost mugged again when I was 15. And actually like growing up in South London in like the early... um two thousands. It was it was occupational hazard getting mugged and it and it and it did seem to be a kind of teenage boy and teenage boy thing. Um so I, I've got sympathy with like the idea that men are scared too and I think I've felt that but the solution is still men behaving better towards principally women, but also to other men. And I
4: think that you can say that, of course, like everyone's experienced fear, but it's not a daily thing for you, right? Like you can, you you had that experience of a mugging and you felt threatened on occasion, I suspect, like you've run past a big group of lads before and and probably felt a bit uneasy. But I think the context of this is that that's, they're in the minority of your experiences and they don't inform your day to day, right?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think, um, The echoes of that can, like, can be longer and louder than maybe some people expect. But um, I also think that that we're talking about different fears in some ways, aren't we? Like, my my greatest fear would be, like, oh, my God, I might be mugged again. But I think a lot of the female fears is actually, we're talking about sort of sexual violence, aren't we? Yes, I was going to say,
1: I think that's the fear that men won't have is you could be attacked, you could be beaten up, sure. But I think there's, like, that very sexual element to it with women as well of, like, I could be raped like something could yeah. happen here, yeah. Yeah. And I I think decent exposure, anything.
2: That is the fear with the catcalling wolf whistling If somebody shouts something at you out of a like a window when they're driving past. The fear then is that it then escalates
1: into something kind of more serious. And yeah, that. and if I'm thinking of myself running through a dark park at night, I'm actually not scared that someone's just going to uh, physically attack me. It's the sexual assault, that's what I'm scared yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
3: which I don't think is actually ever in a man's... Uh, a male runner's mind going out. It's not a fear, is it? I wouldn't imagine so. It's not mine. (laughs) I can give
4: you my one opinion from me. Yeah, it's not. It's
3: Mm. absolutely not. Um, We had another one, which was, uh, headlines like this have been shared for years and we've not seen any real shift in attitude or reduction in instances of violence against women. So often the conversation becomes a debate about how it's not all men, a way of telling women what they should do to prevent violence against them, um, making them responsible for the problem they didn't create, rather than essentially telling maybe men to change their behaviour. What do you think about that, Jen, maybe?
2: Um, I think the onus definitely shouldn't be on women to moderate their behaviour. I think there needs to be a cultural shift of harassment not being acceptable to make our streets safer. It shouldn't be on us to be like, oh, we're going to run where it's light and there's loads of people around. Um and, like, as I mentioned before, I think that includes sort of challenging that kind of culture of misogyny, which trivialises things like verbal harassment. Because I think, ultimately, if you allow that to happen, then that could be, like, a gateway into more serious offences. Of
4: course. I mean, the moment that someone's allowed to, you know, and they all go, "Ooh, gosh, give her a shout, wee, and they're all together, you know. Of course, like, if there's a group of five, one of those out of those five could be an absolute deviant and, like, is immediately, like oh, right, okay, like, that's, yeah. you know, and he becomes some sort of sexual predator because he's, that small incident where his mates went, of course, you know,
3: you just shout something, it's funny. It's funny, though, I mean, Kate's not here, but she said, and I think she's right, it's it's a rare man who actually calls his mates on that stuff, even yeah. if you don't agree with it. Like, and I think I, I, would, I would sort of would say nothing, and that would be my way of saying disapproving, but it's different to being like, Sort of, you know, whatever male context you might be being down the pub, it's, it's quite rare, I think, to hear other blokes call out other blokes on this stuff. Yeah, I, I would think agree. It's, it's it's quite a rare thing.
1: I do agree with that comment as well. I think there's a lot of work to do. It, it doesn't feel like a lot has changed in a way over the few years. But then I guess if you look at that Strava report, then how different the results are in the UK compared to other places. And you might think, actually, is this a positive thing? Are more women feeling like that because? we're talking about it more like is it even more normalized in these other countries and that's why their results aren't as high as ours so although you could definitely look at those results like a negative and predominantly they are let's also not forget that we are talking about these things more now and it's important we continue to do so and these shifts do take change and it is sometimes a generational thing but I think the more we talk about it now the more women will get used to it and we will start to gradually report these things more and more
4: Sort of a, again, I I can't quite get on board with it, but it's a quite a, probably an interesting standpoint that many people feel, and it's that it what are, what what are women's fears based upon? essentially could it be a perception that is fueled by the UK media? Um, let's face it, the media are responsible for a lot of fears that are instilled in us.
5: Oh well, I I mean I can only sort of talk from my personal perspective, but sometimes I think. Okay, I'm on a run. I've been catcalled or there's a group in front of me and I'm feeling a bit vulnerable. My mind instantly goes to if they say something or do something, how am I going to react? What do I do? Do I just run faster? Do I say something in return? And it's like it's just like a kind of instinctive like fear that I will respond in the wrong way and make things worse. And I just think sometimes I think, you know, okay, right, I'm going at a decent speed, so if something happens, I could, I'll just speed up, I'll go, I'll go quicker. I, won't de- I don't say anything, or should I say something? And it's just like, I don't know whether that's just me, but my mind goes through so many scenarios, which elevates that sense of fear, Like because you are in a kind of vulnerable situation. Yeah. So I don't think, I mean, obviously, you know, the media is talking about it, and talking about it's a good thing, but I think on an individual level, women all have their own...
0: Fears, inherent, inherent yeah. fears
5: and it's it's self-preservation and self-protection and you know just like any other kind of you know if you've someone's robbing your house for exa- example you think what do I do what should I what's what how do I get myself out of the scenario and you are sort of preparing almost for the worst so I think it is a kind of Just a natural gut reaction. Yeah, Yeah, I think we're taught from a young age to do that as well. I don't
1: think I was sort of blissfully unaware going about Mm. running however freely I wanted and then suddenly everything was reported in the media and that changed. I think we're sort of conditioned from the age of like four or five when you start school to sort of be thinking about our own personal safety as women. And I think what were the media meant to do? Not report it when a woman gets attacked on the run? Mm. Or, you know, if anything, it's sort of, I, I don't know, I guess it, it confirms our own worst fears in a way. Yeah, totally. I think de- definitely
2: um, the death of Aisling Murphy when the school teacher from Ireland who was running down the canal, that immediately comes to my mind every time now I run down the canal. Sarah Everard, her murder um, when she was wa- walking home and, and a police officer Um yeah brutally raped and murdered her when she was walking home um, and yes the media reports on these things because they are happening and it, it is in your mind when you go out for a, a run or mm-hmm. a walk unfortunately
3: i'm interested in some of like the compromises maybe you make when you, uh, when you when you're kind of route planning like would it go to would it would it affect what you wear while running would that be a consideration as well
1: um I think it's such a personal one I know for a lot of women it would Um, actually the researchers from the University of Manchester were saying to me a lot of women responded to their survey and said you know it's really hot out in the summer I really just want to go out in shorts and a sports bra but I don't feel like I can because it will attract attention I maybe don't feel like that but again that's the whole normalizing thing like if I go out in a Sports bra and shorts. I know I am going to get a couple of catcalls during the summer months, but I've got my headphones in. So maybe I don't quite hear it and it doesn't bother me as much. But I know obviously for a lot of women, that would be enough that they wouldn't want to dress like that because they don't want to have to almost like think, yeah, I am going to get this
3: yeah so yeah, let's yeah, yeah. Not-
1: yeah.
2: I was just gonna say oh I don't think it's ever I've ever thought oh I won't wear shorts or something but then I think about it and I've never actually just been running out in a sports bra in the summer whereas I would go on like my indoor turbo trainer just in my sports bra but maybe it's just a subconscious thing that I just wouldn't do it in case somebody said I drew, drew like attention to myself yeah. um you do these behaviors perhaps without knowing
1: yeah yeah agreed and I, I think Even route planning, I mean, I run in the early hours before work and my route that I take is different to what I do on my weekend long runs because on the weekend I would go through parks and things like that whereas in the early hours it's dark and I actually find running in the early hours scarier than running after work at night because I think the early hours it's actually really quiet out and there's not a lot of people around so I stick to absolute main roads only, very boring routes but it's lit and I know that actually, if something were to happen, there's people nearby. Yeah. I don't feel so lonely. So I, I do just automatically take certain routes depending on what time of day I'm going. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I would never like run in the park at night. But m- mind you, Rick, when we were talking about this, you said that you also wouldn't. Um... Yeah, I'm, I
3: think I'm more the jumpy end of of the, uh, sort of the male runners, possibly as a result of some of those um, sort of teenage experiences. But um I think still I'd probably be. A, so I'm, I'm not having some of those same considerations or fears that that, that you're that you're describing. But um, yeah, I think running through a park a dead at night. I think a, I think a lot of runners wouldn't wouldn't fancy that actually. Um, and I think kind of rightly so actually. I yeah, I, I,
1: I had someone um, say to me on Instagram the other day like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're not running with a light. Like I I hate the dark so much. I can't run without a light." So I, obviously other women have this thing too for me just running on lit pavements in the morning is enough that I don't need to take a head torch or a chest torch but for some women it's like no that's an extra precaution and I will not run without it so it's quite interesting that that dictates sort of the kit that they need as well and it makes running more expensive and inaccessible sort of the more safety features you feel that you need to double up on.
3: Talk about being like um, a male ally or like an active bystander and I think that's one of the solutions that's talked about is that like if say say you or I were to see this stuff happening yeah it would kind of be on us to actually call it like to do something yeah has anyone ever like experienced that like or seen that happening I'm just um because I know some I saw a lot of some men are probably quite reluctant to do that as well um maybe they're maybe they're scared themselves whatever but
4: I mean I can only talk about the an incident that happened to my partner where she was actually attacked not running. She was just out on the street in the middle of the day in West London. She got accosted by a man, and it was a woman who stepped in. Whilst others walked past, it was another woman who stepped in to and made a, enough of a scene and a fuss to sort of yeah. stop the whole situation. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that again, it comes down to that's that's a woman witnessing probably an experience that she's had, yeah, yeah. whereas there is a well, there's a, a there's a reluctance probably from a male point of view. From like getting involved in something bad happening to them, yeah. There's a fear. I mean, that's probably an in, that's probably more of a city-based fear, yeah, possibly, yeah, um, rather than anything else. But apart, apart from that, that's the one one anecdote that I can think of where mm, it was it was obviously it was it had nothing to do. Men were were the only. Yeah, there was no rescuer or you yeah, know some yeah, sort yeah. of yeah yeah
1: yeah. I'm trying to think if sort of. You were to see, I ran past some builders, for instance, who were doing some works by the edge of the park and they all stared at me as I ran past. If you were walking past while they all stared and then maybe one of them did say something, would you say something to them? It's one of those that's
3: Mm.
1: quite tricky. I
3: think I think if, I'd like to think that if I saw something like some kind of physical um, violence happening or something that was like very clearly very wrong and distressing that I would say something I I, I never have I don't I, I'm trying to think I don't think I've seen an incident that's been as serious as that but I've probably heard it I've probably heard things that I think that was a bit much and and, yeah. and 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 haven't said anything
4: I always think that the builder stuff is or people in vans and stuff is from a from a saying something thing is an absolute definite because they're they're employed by someone especially builders if they're a tradesperson and they're working on a building site and they do something and you say something to them and they come back in any sort of way that's like aggressive towards you as someone saying, Don't teach, speak to them like that, they're employed by someone. Mm-hmm. They're on work time, like they and then that then you then you just escalate it up the chain and like hopefully you meet someone within the company who who's like reasonable and understands that what's happened. Yeah, essentially, but, yeah, that's, that. but yeah. that's like that's in my head. I've you know that's the the thought process of just mm. like oh well, no, it's not. If I was at work and I did that, I would you get called to HR and fired. <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah. you know yeah. like that's the same thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's it, isn't it? I think it's almost like sad that us three women are probably sat here thinking, yeah, we've had this many times, but none of us can really think of an example where we've heard someone call someone out on it. Mm. So yeah. kind of the ratio of what's actually happening to the calling out is clearly not great. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think being, yeah,
2: the idea of kind of being an active bystander, like you said, is, a, is a, actually a, like a really good sort of actionable point to take away from it. But yeah, as we've also said, yeah, judging how to do it safely and effectively is quite tricky sometimes because you kind of probably fear, yeah, fear for your own safety. and Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a difficult one to judge and you can appreciate it, it can be scary for some people for sure.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just based on your fear your, from the reaction that you'll give like like as I sort of said before about like it's the scenario you're in so if someone was to catcall me in the street I wouldn't like I wouldn't react whereas I've been catcalled by someone driving past I've you know chopped them the middle finger shot, <laughs> chop, I, <laughs> I have i shot them the middle finger and you know might have said something under my breath because I thought it's okay they're driving off they can't get me <laughs> And so my reaction from feeling very scared in one instance to feeling very angry <laughs> um, in another instance is basically dependent on how safe I feel doing that reaction. Mm. Like one, I could be punched in the face. The next, they've driven off, so I'm okay. And I think it is very much like a spur of the, the moment sort of reaction and, and the fear associated with it. I think if you're kind of brave enough to, it's it's worth
1: calling them out though. Like I've seen videos of people sort of doing it and these people in the van sort of flounder when someone actually yeah. says something yeah. to them and it's like actually they if you don't say anything at all they're going to keep thinking that's fine and do it to other women who are just going to also put up with it because actually if you start to say something they might think well, is, is it worth my ag that every person I yell out of a van to is going to like sort of be yeah, like yeah. you know say that again well, like, do you want to have a conversation about this Yeah, I was gonna... it might start to actually slowly put
4: them well, off I think that that with that, have you ever had the experience where either you've... Because if you match aggression with aggression, then that situation could... Boi- Escalate, have you, yeah. Have you ever sort of gone, oh, it's an interesting point you made there, sir. Um, um, would you explain why you felt the need to... I mean, I mean that takes a lot. I'm, t- I'm, t- yeah, I, yeah. I'm, and I'm sort of half-joking, because obviously that's a huge fucking, like, you know, roll of the dice in terms of yeah, like, what yeah. could happen. But I just feel like... Have, you, have any of you ever felt brave enough to sort of meet that situation like that? Try and, ex- no. try and get an explanation out of it.
2: No, I just pre- like, probably do the worst thing possible just out of fear, just pretend it's not happened, put my head down and go, please drive off really fast or like, and yeah, just w- wait until
1: they're out of distance. Like. I have occasionally locked eyes with them and stared them down and, and that does unnerve them a little bit, I yeah. suppose. If you sort of like look at them and they're looking at you, yeah. and they sort of their words you sort of can see that they're not quite sure what to do about yeah. it so even that can work sometimes yeah. as a death stare but i think like you said jen quite often it's like when you're yeah, thinking I mean. of thinking of a good comeback to a
4: oh, to, when never. someone sort of
1: gets you and you think of a comeback about two hours later it's a bit <laughs> yeah. like that when people sort of yeah. cat call you. you think oh god in the moment i should have done this but you kind of freeze a little bit you're like oh I'm not quite sure what to do yeah, of yeah. I d- yeah i do think the more
2: that we do that the more it would and and bystanders sort of intervene that will help to drive this cultural shift of it not being acceptable
3: it was a huge subject we could talk about all day but we'll get we're gonna have to wrap it for the the purposes of the podcast obviously it's an issue that we'd like to re-engage with um yeah going forward so thanks very much for coming on the podcast jen ali rachel and uh yeah i think that's about it ben isn't it so that brings to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very much for listening. If you have your own um, stories about uh, harassment on the run or some of your own solutions, let us know at uh, podcast at uh, you can subscribe to
4: the Runners World magazine. Get all those issues arriving at your front door. Just Google Runners World UK subscription. There's a special offer. If you want just three issues for £5, head to runnersworld.com UK slash podcast offer to get that offer of three issues for just £5. Um, thank you very much for listening. You will hear from us next week.
0: Hold up.